How are we doing today? Good? All right. Hey, if you've got a Bible with you, turn to Psalm 23. And uh, maybe you grabbed a Bible on the way in the room today. Uh, if you're using one of those, it's page 382. And uh, we'll also have these words uh, up on the screen. We are halfway through this series in Psalm 23, a series that we're calling The Valley. And Psalm 23 is one of the most well-known chapters, some of the most well-known words uh, in all of our Bible. And uh, written by a guy by the name of David, the words of Psalm 23 reflect his experience as a shepherd, uh, as well as just life in general for David and certainly his relationship with God. And what David learned what David learned in life is something that I think all of us know at some level, and it doesn't matter whether you're new to church, if you've been around church a long time, young or old, I think we all know this to some degree, and that's the reality that life is hard, uh, that life can be difficult, that we're going to go through some really difficult, sometimes unexpected seasons of life, and, and there are some times where we wonder, Will it end? And potentially, how will it ever end? And, you know, again, we've all, we all go through these times, and, and David endured plenty of these. You study his life, and his life was so, full of so many of these ups and downs. And, but, but somewhere along the way, and at least by the time he copied down these words that we know as Psalm 23 today, somewhere along the way, something clicked for him. Like there, there was a light bulb that went on. There was something that he learned about his faith. And that's when he recognized how, how loving and caring God really can be as, as a friend, as a shepherd, that, that God wasn't just the God of the universe. He's not just the creator of all things, but that he also desired, that God did, he desired to be a personal shepherd to David. And that made all of the difference in the world for him. And you know what? I think the same is true for us, and I think really what we're after in this series, and, and maybe you could say, you know, maybe this is what you've been praying for, and we've been praying for, it's just this, that when we can come to terms with that, like when we realize, when you realize that this is about God being your personal shepherd, and, and His desire to be your personal God, like, like David, that has the potential to change everything. All right, for each of us, for all of us. And that's why David could say in Psalm 23, uh, as he opens in verse 1, we talked about this a few weeks back, that the, he says, the Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. Basically, in God, I have everything I need. That he, he is my shepherd, which means he will, he, he will provide for me. And, and so David starts with these words, and really the next five verses are all of the different ways that he provides for those who put their faith and trust in him. And we come to Psalm 23, verse 4 today, which says this, David writes, even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil for you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Now, if you grew up around church or depending on the, the translation of the Bible that you read, uh, some translations of the Bible say the words valley of the shadow of death, right? The valley of the shadow of death. And in many ways, when you think about it, death is probably the darkest shadow of all. That, that all of us in some way or another, in some shape or form, we all have this fear of death. And whether that's death for ourselves or our death for the people that we love, and whether it's a fear of a tragic, unexpected death that you can't see coming or, or a slow, painful one, uh, any of these thoughts, thoughts like these can generate fear in really the most fearless among us. But, but here's the thing. Death isn't really what Psalm 23 is about. All right, that's not really the point. David, David, what David is doing is he's talking about those valleys of life that we all go through, valleys that, that can beat us up, uh, valleys that, that can certainly take a toll on us, valleys that can leave a mark, uh, if you would. But those valleys that, when you think about it, we have the potential to emerge from, maybe even stronger than when we entered into them. Now, remember, and we've talked about this for the last few weeks, that David grew up a shepherd in Israel. 
All right, he grew up a shepherd here. And when we think of sheep and pastures, uh, we tend to think of uh, great green grass and, and mountains in the background, but that's not the case in Israel because for David, this was the environment that he grew up tending sheep in. And uh, this is the Judean wilderness, right? It, uh, wilderness is a good word for it, all right? It's, it's, a, it's a large, desolate sort of place. It, it's complicated, difficult terrain, and it's not only dry, but it's very rocky and hilly as well. And because there are very high peaks in the Judean wilderness, there also happen to be very steep, deep, dark valleys surrounding them. Here are a couple of examples of, of some of those valleys in the Judean wilderness. And, and you can imagine it doesn't take much, depending on the time of day, how the various shadows could cast a lot of darkness uh, over these deep, kind of desolate sort of areas. And because food and water can be difficult to come by at times in a wilderness, especially this one that David grew up in, sometimes shepherds were forced to lead their flocks down into these deep valleys. Uh, this next picture reveals a little bit of that. It's not a great picture. I didn't take this picture, but it's not a great picture. But, but maybe you can see as you look at it that there's water in it, all right? And so sometimes in searching for water, it was necessary to go down in the valley. You can also see some of the green grass around it, which certainly provides food for any of the flocks. And a couple of uh, really unique dangers uh, exist in the valley. First, there's the danger of flash flooding. Because here's the thing, it might not be raining where you are, but if it's raining upstream somewhere, well, a flash flood like that could come without little war with very little warning at all. And so a, a good shepherd had to be aware uh, of that sort of danger. But there's also the danger of predators. Things like lions and bears and leopards were common uh, in these valleys during the days of David. And so shepherds knew that when their flocks, when they and their flocks were passing through these deep valleys, that, well, they were vulnerable for a surprise attack at any given moment. But the fact is this, while intimidating, the valleys provide what the sheep need. In so many cases, these valleys, are, they, they provide exactly what the shepherd is looking for for his sheep. And so while the valley can be a frightening, dangerous place, it is sometimes necessary for the shepherd to lead his sheep into the valley or at least through it, because maybe there's something greater even on the other side. And I think if we just pause there for a moment and just kind of think about how this relates to life, it wouldn't take much time at all for us to build a list of sorts of kind of all the different valleys, if you would, that we all go through. We don't, we don't call them by the same name, uh, but we've all gone through them, right, at different times in our life. Like, like think about some of those valleys that maybe you've gone through, the people that you love have gone through. They, you could certainly say there's the, the deep, dark valley of failure, right, and, and how threatening that might be. There's the, there's the value of broken relationships, uh, that we experience in different ways. There's the valley of cancer. There's the valley called divorce, the, the valley of bankruptcy that maybe some of you have known, the valley of, of betrayal. There's, there, there's the valley that, 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 that many of us know that some of you experience, a, a valley that's often labeled addiction or depression. It's the valley of, a, of assault or, or even death. Again, there are, there are these valleys that we go through in life. There are these valleys that people, the people that we love will, will go through. And you could say this about life's valleys. All right, here's what we could say, that at least two things can result from those days and seasons that we endure in the valley. And sometimes, sometimes the result is this. Sometimes we come out of the valleys and we come out much stronger, right? I mean, that's some of the work that God can do in our lives. Like we, we all know people uh, who have gone through difficult times in the valley, but maybe have come out stronger uh, on the other side. Like I think about people, and his story is a unique one, but I think about people like Tyler Trent. 
you know, the young, men from, the young man from Carmel and Purdue student who recently lost his battle with, with cancer. Like, what, what, a, what an incredible story, right? And certainly so much pain, a painful journey for, for this young man and for the, his family and the people that loved him and were so close to him. But man, if you followed it all, like the grace and the strength of God in his life that was so evident, like you and I can't even begin to imagine the inter- eternal impact that his life and faith in the Lord has had on so many people. And so difficult times in the valley have the potential to shape our character in really good ways. You know, and the Lord can use this. It's an opportunity to share our faith, to help others. Like uh, good friendships come out of the valleys uh, of life. Some of you have got some dear friendships as a result of those valleys. Your, Your faith can grow in the valley. Maybe some of you found Christ and learn to trust the Lord in the valley. But, but at the same time, we all know plenty of stories of people who have never really come out of the valley either. They've never really recovered. And so instead of, grow, of, of growing from their experience, like things got worse, you know, and continue to decline and, and people lose their faith in the valley or we lose important relationships there. A, a, an addiction takes over. Like, and, and again, some never really recover. Maybe that describes what your experience has been or maybe what some of you have had to endure. And so you can't help but ask, why risk it? Like, why would a shepherd, why would a good shepherd take a chance leading his sheep into a valley that posed so much danger? Now, sure, maybe that's where the food is, and maybe that's where the water is, but here's something else that we've got to consider at the same time, and is that sometimes the valleys of life are a necessary passageway to something greater that's on the other side. Sometimes that's the way you've got to go, because notice David doesn't say anything, if you're in your Bible, David doesn't say anything about the valley being the end of the road the end of the trail. Look what he says. He says, even though I walk through the valley. And again, the valley can be a necessary passageway to something greater that's on the other side. Uh, Writer and pastor Jeff Mannion uh, calls these valleys of life, he calls them necessary middle space. And uh, he's written this great book called The Land Between, and in it he points to the account of the Israelites and the 40 years that they spent uh, working through the wilderness on their way to the promised land. And and he says this about that middle space, if you would. Here's what he says. He says, the desert, or in our case, the valley, is not intended to be the final destination, but rather a necessary middle space where we will be formed as a people and established in our connection to God. Notice those words, formed. And he says, established. And you know what? Do you realize that's what God wants for each of us? That's what He wants to do in your life and in my life. He wants to form us. He wants to transform our lives. He wants to establish and deepen the roots in our connection with Him. It's why the Apostle Paul wrote in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 16, he says, I pray that out of His glorious riches, he was praying this, praying for people like you and me, that He may strengthen you with power through His Spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. He says this, and I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all of the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. And so the valleys of life are those places where God can do even greater work in rooting us and establishing us in our faith. Like, think about it. Like, like how many of us really grew to know God in greater ways when we were standing on the mountaintops of life? I mean, isn't it true? I mean, maybe for some people, but, but think about it. Most people I know met God in the valley. 
It's in the valleys of life where our relationship is deepened. It's where we learn a lot about ourselves and what we're capable and incapable of doing. It's where we, we see how weak and desperate we really are and, again, where we evaluate things like priorities and our purpose. I, I like this. The, valley provi- the valleys provide a place to encounter God in ways like we have never never before. Philip Keller, he's a writer, he says this about it. He says, it's in the valleys that we're forced to find refreshment in God. It's where we realize He's all we have. It's where we find that He's the only one we can really count on. And so again, while the valleys can lead to these really good things, there are so many good things that can come from these valleys. The fact is still at the same time that they're frightening. They can be very difficult places to to traverse and, and to, to, to find your way through. And, you know, well, like one, again, one big, one big problem with the valley is that it can generate a lot of fear. You know, it kind of got me thinking about some of the things that I'm afraid of. Like if, if I were to just be honest with you this morning, I, I would tell you I'm, as a 43-year-old guy, I'm, I'm still a little afraid of the dark, right? I mean, it's just true. I, I like to have a light on when it's dark and especially when I'm alone. Like I remember coming into this building many years ago before we really built it out and it was, it was kind of a frightening building with lots of little corners and hiding places and I quickly would get that light on when I came in here and I was ready to take a swing. Like, I mean, uh, I mean if somebody would have jumped out, you know, there's a really good chance, you know, they'd have gotten one to the jaw. But, uh, uh, you know, so the dark, you know, makes me a little afraid. I, I think on a, on a, on a more serious know, like, I'm afraid for my kids, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm afraid for their well-being, uh, their faith, and just kind of this crazy, complex world that we live in today, and so for their future, I'm, if I'm honest, I'm afraid of failure. I'm afraid of disappointing people. Um, I, I'd say this too, especially with a growing church right now, like, I get a little nervous about leading, you know, and and well, where's the Lord leading us? And, you know, again, with, with culture the way it is too, like well, how's God want to use our church in the years to come? And, and really me, like, I mean, is that, is that what you had? Is that the best you can do, God, you know? And, uh, and so all of these things, like when I think about it, you know, maybe you've got some similar experiences and examples too. You're like, but here's the thing. Do you know one thing I'm ashamed of? Like I'm, I'm ashamed of how many times I quickly forget that there is a shepherd who cares about me. Like that not only he cares for this church and you, but he cares about me too. And he cares about my heart and my life. And, and there's a lot of reasons why fear is so powerful. Like we fear because of past experience and, you know, we, we fear because we, we've been there before and we know what can happen or we've heard the stories of others' lives or, or think about how quickly fear can get a hold of our imagination. And, and so like if you start obsessing about something long enough, like it, it can really overtake you or sometimes we fear evil because of evil. Like we fear evil because we live in a world where bad things happen to to even good people. And so how's David able to say, I will fear no evil? Like, how do you get to a place like that? Like, it can't mean that he was ever ner- never nervous or anxious or, f- or afraid. Like, it's not like he was invincible or some sort of superhuman. Now, here's what I think David learned to do and something we can learn to do as well. And that is that somewhere along the way, David learned to overcome the thoughts about this or, or what if this or, or what if that and instead put all of his focus and attention on a shepherd who was always there with him. He learned to do this. And you know what? As followers of Jesus, there's one thing you can be certain of, that when Jesus Christ is the Lord of your life, when you put your faith and your trust in him, you and I, we don't have to fear death. We don't have to be afraid of death because death Really, when you think about it, for followers of Christ, death isn't in the cards for you. Like if you're a follower of Jesus, you and I were assured of eternity with God in heaven because Jesus defeated death on the cross for us. 
I, I like these words. Here's what theologian Charles Spurgeon had to say in his commentary on Psalm 23. Listen to this. He says, you know, it's not the valley of death, but the valley, get this, of the shadow of death. For death in its substance has been removed and only the shadow of it remains. He says, someone has said that when there's a shadow, there must be light somewhere. And so there is. Death stands by the side of the highway in which we have to travel, and the light of heaven shining upon him throws a shadow across our path. Let us then rejoice that there is a light beyond. Get this. Nobody is afraid of a shadow, for a shadow cannot stop a man or a woman's pathway, even for a moment. Get this. The shadow of a dog cannot bite. The shadow of a sword cannot kill. The shadow of death can't destroy us. And all this when you realize that sheep are anxious animals. And so that sense of anxiety is going to be heightened, especially passing through a dark valley. But when the sheep has learned to trust its shepherd, when the sheep has learned to trust, when all of their focus is on the shepherd leading them, that fear can be overcome and held back by the confidence they have in a shepherd they know they can trust. And so they know their shepherd has the best in mind. They know that even though their senses are heightened, they listen and they follow with even greater intent. And they realize that there's something to be found in the valley, but maybe even something greater on the other side. And so even in the shadows, they keep following, they keep trusting. Again, David's life is a fascinating life. You know, he spent, he spent so much time on the run fleeing for his life. He, he was intimately acquainted with the wilderness and with the valleys. But do you, do you know who was there with him in the valley? God was every step of the way. In fact, I just got to thinking, you know, if David were here with us today, if he had an opportunity to share with us, I could imagine him saying something like this. Like, it, it would be wrong for me. I could, see, I could hear David saying this. It would be wrong for me to wish the valley on any of you. But I wouldn't be where I am today with the Lord if I hadn't gone through some valleys in my life because it's in the valley where I learned dependence and faith and trust in even greater ways watching God provide for me. And that's why David could say, I will fear no evil because you. Why? Because you are with me. And again, that's the hope and the promise that we have as followers of Jesus, that God is with us. And because of that truth and because of that promise, we never have to worry about going through life alone when your faith is in Christ. I think about some of the other words of David, and I can only imagine him writing these words from other valleys of life. Psalm 139, uh, verses 7 to 12 are one great example. David said, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you're there. If I make my bed in the depths, you're there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me and your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. You know, again, no normal person wishes or looks forward to difficult, painful times in life. But for David, again, it was in the valley that he experienced the Lord and learned to trust God like never before. And when you think about it, you know what? Isn't that true of Jesus too? Like if you think about his story, and even specifically thinking about Matthew 3, Jesus was baptized and then what did he do? He went immediately into the wilderness. But if you read it closely in Matthew 3, you'll notice that it says he was led by the Spirit of God into the wilderness. And so God led him there. The very presence of God, the shepherd, the same shepherd leading David, led Jesus into the wilderness where he was tempted by Satan. And we know and we see that it was during that time that Jesus learned to trust the Lord in even greater ways and provided a wonderful example 
for each of us. And so just think about that for a moment. Like, like think about the times that you, I, I've said these words that we've said, you know, I just want to be closer to God. I want to experience Him in greater ways. Could it be the valley? And maybe for some of you today, you're in the valley right now. But it could, could it be that this is the exact place where God wants to do something in your life and your faith, something like He's never been able to accomplish anywhere else with you ever before? There are a couple of other details in this verse that add to David's confidence in the shepherd. Check this out. Verse 4, again, he says, even though I walk through the darkest valley, I'll fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Now, the shepherd's rod was this club-like weapon, three to four feet long typically. It had a big knob on the end that they would attach things like sharp rocks and nails to. And a good shepherd never went out for the day with the flocks without taking the rod with him. And he used this tool as a fighting weapon. This was a weapon that he used to fight off the predators, to fight off the enemy, and so it was a necessary tool in defending himself as well as the sheep. But he always took a staff as well. Now, when we think staff, that's probably what we typically think of when we think of shepherds. It's this long uh, crook on the end of it, tool that a shepherd would use. It wasn't a fighting tool, it was a guiding tool. And so a shepherd would use the rod or the staff not to hurt the sheep, but to poke them along, to prod them along. Like sometimes we just, we need that, right? We need to be moved along. And if it slipped maybe into a, a, a creek or, or fell off the path, the shepherd could use the crook to drag the sheep back up onto the path with the rest of the flock. And so you can see how the visible presence, the visible presence of these tools added to the comfort and the security that a sheep would find in their shepherd. And so what David is saying, hey, in the same way, I've got even more comfort and confidence in knowing that as I go through these valleys of life, that fear doesn't have to get the best of me because not only is the shepherd with me, but he's leading me. And this is the very same shepherd who will fight on my behalf. You've had to hear a bunch of my Israel stories and you will for the rest of our lives together, right? And uh, one day, hopefully, a bunch of us will go together to see Israel. But I had so many memorable experiences there, and uh, I'll never forget the day that we got off our bus and actually went out and spent a couple of hours in the Judean wilderness. I've shown you this picture before, uh, but it just kind of shows what we were doing. And so we kind of headed down into this valley of sorts. It's a, it's a shallow valley there. And uh, we got a couple of hours there that day. Again, this is David's backyard. And uh, so David spent time in, in these hills, hills like these with God and his flocks. And, and, and we spent a good portion of our time there learning about Psalm 23. And so here we are just seated as our teacher Brad is just kind of helping us understand a little bit more about this. And again, so many fascinating things to learn about Psalm 23 and the, this wilderness. But I think one of the things that I'll always you know, remember again, is just what I had in mind of these green grass hills, but that's maybe the case one or two months out of the year. Most of the time, searching for grass is a lot like what this next picture shows. It, it's there, but you got to find it. You've got to go looking for it. I mean, a good shepherd is going to know how to get his sheep to where the food is. And, and we've got this God, when you think about it, that sometimes he provides in abundance, right? He provides in many great blessings, but as this next picture demonstrates, sometimes he gives us just what we need. It's just what we need and maybe for a particular day and a season. And so we had some great time of, of teaching there. And then our guide gave us about 45 minutes to go off and be on our own. He said, just 
we're in the wilderness, go find a spot, but don't go too far, right? And so, uh, so I, I climbed up to this top of this big hill, small mountain sounds better, right? And I uh, went up to the top of this hill and had some time to myself. And I was thinking about Psalm 23, but it didn't take long before I started thinking about another verse that had become really important to me. And uh, it comes out of Second Chronicles. Some friends shared this with me. Second Chronicles 2017, they gave this to me in just kind of a challenging season of life for me. And, and the words, you will not have to fight this battle, take up your positions, stand firm and see the deliverance the Lord will give you, Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Go out to face them tomorrow and the Lord will be with you. Now, I don't have a lot of time or enough time to go into the full backstory of this passage, but here's the quick version. King Jehoshaphat was the leader of, the, of, the, of Judah, and a massive army had surrounded him on every side. You can read this in 2 Chronicles 20 for yourself. And uh, he cried out to the Lord in desperation, fearing for his life, fearing for the kingdom, and the Lord replied to him these words. He said, Jehoshaphat, you will not have to fight this battle. Take up your position, stand firm, and what? See the deliverance the Lord will give you. And you know what? The Lord was good on His promise. Again, you can read this for yourself. God fought on His behalf. The enemy was destroyed. Jehoshaphat and his people were victorious just as the Lord had promised. This was a special moment for me, but it even got greater later on in the day. I was thinking about this location, thinking about this verse. I started doing some studying in my Bible. I talked to the teacher of our group. What I realized was this. This verse, this account, same neighborhood. Like how, how powerful to think, wow, I didn't even realize it, but like, like we're, we're in the same neighborhood where the Lord spoke these words to Jehoshaphat and was just kind of reminding me and encouraging me in my life. This picture, the picture you see on the screen hangs in my office. And my wife had this made for me a little over a year ago for my birthday. And I just have the opportunity every day to look up at it and be reminded that no matter what I go through, no matter what we go through in life, the Lord says, you don't have to fight this battle, but what? Take up your positions, stand firm, and see the deliverance the Lord will give you. And I'm just reminded and encouraged and have to be reminded and encouraged so often that no matter the enemy, no matter the valley, God's my shepherd too, and he's fighting for me. And I want you to know today that it doesn't matter what you're going through in your life right now, no matter what threatens you today, I want you to know that he is close to you, that he cares for you, that this God of ours, he understands the pain. He understands the fear. And it doesn't matter what it is. Like, like he is greater right now than your greatest difficulty. He, he is more powerful than your greatest nightmare right now, that he is with you. He is with you even in the darkest valleys of life. And get this, he knows the way through. He knows the way through. And so maybe you're ready to admit today, you know what, I want to believe that. I want to believe that, but I, I want to believe that he's close and that he's willing to help me, but I don't know how to do that, all right? Because if you're like me, you know what happens when you walk out of this door in just a moment. Life happens, right? And we run up against the very same things. I just want to remind us today, again, of the personal emphasis that we see in Psalm 24, 23 verse 4. Notice that David doesn't say, even though we walk through the valley, it's personal for him. David says, even though I walk through this valley, this is my shepherd. He is there with me. He is comforting me. It's David's way of saying he is more than just the shepherd of all of us, which he is. But again, he's my shepherd. He's with me. He guides me. This God of mine, this shepherd of ours, he fights for me.
And when you think about it, and we do this as Christians, I'm guilty of this. It's easy to say we know this of God or we know this about God. In fact, we do a really good job of encouraging one another about who God is and what He can do for them. But then I need Him and I forget it, right? And it's not true for me. I, I have a hard time believing it for myself. You could say we know about God. But do we really know God? Do we really believe and trust what He says and what we read and what we learn about Him? Because it's one thing to say that He is with us. It's another thing for you to say and acknowledge today that He's with me. It's one thing to say that He will guide us. It's another thing for you to say today, He will guide and direct me. It's one thing to say that He fights for us. It's another thing for you to realize today that He is fighting for you and he will fight for you, and he is fighting for you now. What's the battle you're fighting today? The valley that you've been going through. And maybe, maybe you've been fighting this battle for some time now, and if you're honest, you're about done. You're empty, and you realize you can't win and you want to give in. Could it be that you're way too focused on the issue and on the enemy and the pain the adversary, and it's time to do something new. It's time to shift all of your attention from the enemy and onto the shepherd, to the shepherd that can lead us and guide us, the one who is with you, the one who can lead you, the one who loves you, and the one who will fight for you. Will you stand with us as we close out our service today? We're going to go back to that song that we sang just before the offering, but we're going to we're going to shout it. We're going to declare it. We're going to make it our prayer, a very personal prayer today before we go, this God of ours who fights on our behalf. Let's sing together.